Hello, welcome to Gary Ball, you read. As is our way in the summer, we're going to be hearing from different people connected to Nottingham Forest away from the day-to-day madness of transfer news. With that in mind, I'd like to welcome back Simon Bristow to the show. As you'll know him as our glorious banners on Twitter. He was with us a year ago talking about his book, Free From Desire, which told us through the promotion season in photos he took from the stands. And he's back with a second book titled Risen on the back of the incredible highs and lows of this season or last season, depending on when the cutoff actually is. Simon, how are you doing? Good, thank you, Matt. Yeah. Lovely to be back with you and, um, yeah, looking forward to chatting about a few more photos. Is it this season or last season we're talking about? I think it's um, if our fixtures come out, maybe that that could be the cut-off when they yeah. next season. Yeah. They tend to reset the, the tables, isn't it? So we're on the cusp of it, that's for sure. That's true. We're recording this the day before the fixtures come out. So by the time people are watching or listening to this, then, uh, yeah, I think we're talking about last season. So, like we said, um, the book last year, Free From Desire, flew off the shelves. Let's do three print runs. You were going mad and it's like a total mad hatter for a few weeks. You raised a lot of money for charity. What made you come yeah. back and do it all again? Yeah, um, well, I think I should start by just saying a, a massive thank you for everybody that bought a copy of the first book because um, despite um, the headaches and the logistical challenges, um, looking back on it, it was an incredible experience, very humbling that people wanted to buy a book um, of my very dodgy photos. Um, and I think we got close to about £50,000 raised in the end, which was split between Forza Garibaldi and the, um, the Robin Hood Fund at the time. Um, and uh, yeah, I've mentioned it in the, at the start of book two, but I always swore to people, uh, literally some, on some occasions, that I wouldn't do a, a second book <laughs> um, because it was fun, but uh, it was a bit of a, a, a challenge at times. Uh, we're not set up to, to do you know, book sales, I'm not Amazon or anything like that. So was, most of it was being done out of my um, back room. And uh, uh, yeah, I guess, I mean, it's Greg Mitchell that is to blame for book two. He's, he's harassed <laughs> well, me. For a long time. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, he harassed me for weeks and months, and it was just the way the season ended again. And it, I just kind of felt, do you know, if we, if weirdly, if we'd finished mid-table, which would have been lovely, I don't think it would have had the same appeal. Mm. Um, but the end to the season was kind of epic again. So I just thought, right, I'll do a second one, and then that is it, unless we get to Europe, and then I'll continue. <laughs> <laughs> so two questions off the back of that um firstly i assume greg's going to help do all the packing and loading this at this time then yeah because he managed to avoid it last time so um yeah i'm, I'm definitely roping him in for that uh, the second question uh obviously all the money last time was for charity and i think this is the case this time which charities and how can people get the book before we start going through the photos you've selected yes yes so um in terms of buying the book is available for pre-sale, pre-order on the Forza Garibaldi website. Um, if you go onto um, Our Glorious Banner's social or Forza's social, you'll very quickly find the link and the details. Uh, price is eighteen sixty-five. Again, includes posted and packaging. We are sorting international orders as well. So I know you have listeners around the world now, Matt. So if anyone's in Australia or the US, um, we are um, working through those. So just get in touch directly. And in fact, the uh, US Supporters Club are about to launch, so hopefully by Monday, um, will have launched their kind of order system as well. So they're going to do a bulk order and then distribute them locally for me, which is great. 
Um, and the charities this time, so again, 50% uh, of, of it's going to go to Forza just to help fund everything that um, those guys are doing because it's wonderful and we all love it, but it does come at quite a hefty price to do those displays. So keep those guys funded and hopefully we're going to do one or two uh, new things as well with, with some of the money that we get in. And then the other 50% is going to go to the PDSA this time, which is the leading um, veterinary charity. Um, bit of a, uh, a personal one um, for me. <laughs> Getting a bit choked up by it. Um, it's in the book. Read it in the book. I'm not going to go into too much detail about it now. But, um, yeah, it's a, a, a personal choice for me this time around. So um, anyone who buys a book will um, be doing me a big favour. Uh, I'll put the link to the book in the comments uh, for the description as well so people can check it out. Obviously, um, if you're listening to this, you can't uh, just on iTunes, you can't see the photos. So if you go to our Twitter account, um, I'll put a plug in for that at the end as well. Um, I'll, all the photos will be there. I'll post them so you can see this as we go along. So you're not, not really missing out. But I appreciate this is more of a visual episode than normal. Um, and as Simon said, we do have lots of international listeners now australia america slovenia norway so hello to everyone who listens from around the world so what we're going to do like last time is uh, simon sent me um i think it's eight photos from the yeah. book that go through the season and i'll just ask him about those and questions off the back of it about as the season went along and how he was feeling uh kind of similar to the rest of us were feeling i guess but um first photo is uh this is uh, West Ham at home. Obviously, you mentioned Risen. You can see Risen in the background. Um, what made you pick this photo? Yeah, it was, it's interesting. You know how last season when we did this and the kind of the trajectory of the book was starting very low and then it, it kind of rose and rose and rose and rose and, and went up to Web Wembley. I think the story of this season is a bit more like up and down peaks and troughs. And this was a, a real kind of high starting point. Yeah, we've been to Newcastle the week before. That was great, brilliant day out. But in a way, it kind of came away a bit deflated of like, oh, actually, this is going to be pretty tough. Um, and this first home game felt like a, a real start to the season for us. Almost like at the time, we all knew that home form was going to be all important, <laughs> which obviously is, is how the season played out. And it's just a... A, a glorious photo um you know obviously uh you know it just encapsulates that moment really lovely the, the warmth it kind of comes through the huge card display that um Forza had, had sorted the day before and it it was really smart from them because it went it played back to their first display which people probably won't remember but it was after the uh, the Maranakis takeover so what's that 2016 2017 um and they've done a, a very small by their standards now display in the trend end that said the rise of the garibaldi and we saw this as kind of a moment of the the end point of that first journey so we have risen and we are back in the premier league and this is where i took the inspiration for the name of, of book two as well um and it just yeah it just felt like a, a glorious day sea of red had a great start to the the home games of our Premier League season. Did you have any challenges this year? I remember I asked you last year about getting into the ground, taking the photos. Obviously, the Premier League's a bit more picky. It's very much more salubrious. It's a different world, really. I didn't realise what a different world it was. Was it actually harder to get all the photos taken this year? Um, it, I had one 
um, amusing episode at Man United, Old Trafford. Um, bizarrely, we, we'd obviously played them in the league. It was that like just after Christmas, wasn't it? And mm. I walked in, no problem. And then the cup game, um, for some reason, I like, had the same equipment with me and they were, weren't having any of it. And they were trying to send me away and leave my bag and my camera at some kind of you know locker system. And I was just like asking for more and more senior stewards and just saying, but it's a fixed lens camera. There's no issue with this. You let me in. And eventually someone with a bit of sense let me in. Mm. I did buy a new camera last summer, preempting that it might be more difficult, which is more slimlined and goes in a pocket. Um, and occasionally I've hidden it in my hat, in my hand as we're getting searched. So um, I'm giving away my secrets now. I've got no chance next year. Um, it, it's on the whole, it's been fine. Um, when you do get stopped and asked what it is, stewards tend to be quite sensible. In a, it's not got a massive zoom lens. I'm not taking photos of stuff that's going on on the pitch, and um, they just let me carry on with it, basically. True. I think we should, yeah, probably make it clear they're not match photos. That's Richie Sumter's domain. I know we said okay. this this year, but they're, they're oh. fan photos taken from within the stands by yourself, obviously. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, it's a good point um, and a good moment to just shout out Richie. I know he's got an extended team now as well. Premier League has, has allowed him to get some more people involved um, with the match day stuff. And it's just brilliant. I think the stuff that they create on a match day is absolutely sensational. And when if you look at what other clubs do, it's nowhere near the quality that Richie and I think it's Amy and Josh um are the two guys that work with him I, I think their stuff is really outstanding so we're very lucky to have those guys working for for forest and producing great content true i might ask richie to come back and do another one actually as obviously the the iconic photo at the end of the season of oh, the Arsenal game so uh, try and get richie on talk us through that now the second photo you quite rightly mentioned the trajectory of this season was you know very much more up and down than the the straight rocket line we saw last season None more so than um, Leicester away. Yeah. Absolute disaster. And for you, this photo sums that game up. Yeah. Um, you probably won't thank me for this, but here's Dave Marples. It is, um, yeah. Who, who I um, stand next to at most away games. Um, and, yeah, sadly, he was in the right place at the right time for me on this night. It's just, it was a horrible night. We'd been on the pretty bad run of form it felt like one of those it was an early kind of make or break type game because they've been in dreadful form as well and mm. i think probably less so for us because we all hoped that nothing stupid would happen with steve cooper but for them i think if they'd lost that night they would have sat brendan rogers and so actually the sliding doors moment was thank god they they didn't lose because mm. if they got rid of him early in the season they might have got a better manager in at the time and and been a, not part of the relegation battle. Um, but, yeah, it just wasn't a great night. Their fans, yeah, desperate for a rival with, with, with us that we're not really giving them, which um, gets them more and more angry. And it was a classic head-in-the-hands type night. Tywo hit the post early on and then just everything seemed to go bad from there and wasn't a pleasant experience. Um, but again, referenced in the book that the away fans that night did kind of make a bit of a of a stand in terms of singing Steve Cooper's name for what twenty plus minutes in the second half, mm -hmm. um, and I, I think it probably did have an impact of 
what then played out on in the in the days following that game where there was a bit of rumour or quite a lot of rumour about if we change manager, other names being touted. Um, we know that the ownership and the board tend to kind of take note of fan sentiment. And I think that night we, we played a role in ensuring we stuck by the manager and, and kept him in, in the job and allowed us to go on and do what we did over the rest of the season. I guess we'll go straight into the next photo then, which it was the next game, wasn't it? It's Villa at home and they, you know, they, they'd stuck with Cooper and there was this banner in the lower Bridgeford, um, which lots of people will have seen. Tell us about this photo. Yeah. Um, so this is one of my uh, film shots. Um, so I've done more and more stuff on film this year and I think I'm going to eventually transition to just doing film just because it's a, it's a bit more fun. It's, it's higher risk. Um, you get lots of very dodgy, blurry, dark photos that are completely unusable, but um, I just love how like grainy it is and, and a bit more real than the digital stuff. Um, so yeah, this is one of the film shots um, of the display that we did um, before the um, Villa game, um, which yeah, kind of was a message of, yeah, uh, Steve Cooper had, had his new contract. We were all fully behind that. And here he is, the leader of the Garibaldi. Um, that was accompanied by the, the picture of him that's just up to the right of this shot. And then um down the other end we had the the text um banner that was kind of saying look this is just the start of a journey um let's get to work and and you know up the performance level on the pitch in um and off the pitch which um we all did and it was a you know a good result that night one one might not feel like it compared to other um home games that we had over the course of the season but felt like an important one just to kind of move us all forward a little bit yeah, it was a terrible game, wasn't it? Um, do you think if he'd gone at that point and we'd still stayed up, would it have meant so much? Would the scenes in the stand have been the same, do you think? Or do fans just care about results or, uh, at the end of the day? That's a really tough question. I think there is an element that fans only care about results. Mm. And I remember all that talk after the Leicester game of would Cooper go and, you know, to the extent of people saying, well, I'm not going to go to games if it's not Steve Cooper, our manager, which I understand and I get. Um, but, you know, four or five games later, when we've got a bit of a winning run with a new manager, you, you end up coming back. And football's just cutthroat business, right? You just, these people that you build these bonds with and have this affection for, they go and you have a bit of a, a feeling of loss. Um, but very quickly, that feeling is replaced by, oh, okay, we've got this new guy and actually he's all right and he's doing this. I, I Look, I was, I'm was i 100% a Steve Cooper man and I'm glad that we as a fan base got behind him and that the ownership and the board took the right decisions and the couple of times during the season that they did it. I, I don't think, if we'd stayed up under another manager, I don't think it would have meant as much. I don't think we would have had the scenes that we had at the end of the season with the jubilance and the singing and the dancing and everything else that came with it. I think what Steve Cooper's done and his backroom staff and all of the players over the couple of seasons, they've created a real unique bond with us as a fan base. And, you know, the stuff that they do behind the scenes and the stuff that they do for the city, I think we are at this kind of unique stage now of, you don't get many managers um, and groups of, of people around them that can create this of a fan base. So I, I think it is a 
very important relationship that would be very difficult to be replaced. But that's not to say someone else couldn't come in as a manager in the future and get us wins and take us forward more. But yeah, this is a very unique feeling right now, that's for sure. Yeah, I think you're right. Like you say, it's such a cutthroat business that it made it feel more special that Forrest bucks the trend by hook or by crook. They they stuck with him in the end. And the fans had kind of, you know, he'd given them something to believe in and they'd invested back in Cooper. I think fans, they, you know, they stuck their neck out in a way by getting behind him so much that they were a part of keeping Forrest up. And those scenes at the end, it was a collective celebration because fans had earned their part in keeping up. You saw like the hell at Leeds where when they went down and they were chanting like, <laughs> F off off the pitch and go home or whatever it was. I can't remember the exact wording, but I think that set Forrest apart as a different club. And, you know, the yeah. day also like, uh, I think Temp said it on the podcast recently, it won't always be like this. And the, in the back of our minds, I think we always know that Cooper's going to go because every manager goes. People would have said 30 years ago, you'll never replace Brian Clough. And you never will. But Cooper brings his own like different sprinkling of magic. And it will be sad when it goes. And I think there's a moment in the way we're all trying to enjoy it as much as we can, certainly while he's here. Talking of him enjoying those special moments, uh, probably after the Liverpool game, this one was the first huge moment against uh, one of the proper, proper big guns against Man City at home. And it kind of slowly, you know, turned the tide of the season, I think. Talk us through yeah. this photo. I assume this is after Chris Wood scored his um, only goal and very big it goal. It is, yeah. This is one of the ones. And I think people actually quite like these when they're just a blurry mess. Yeah. And this, this you know, is clearly not very crisp. I was in the moment as much as anyone else. Um, which I maintain I'm always in the moment. I don't stand there and just take photos because that's not what I kind of what I want my football experience to be. Um, but this just kind of in a weird way encapsulated everything because it had been building in this game. Like it, the first half, clearly, you know, Man United, uh, Man City are brilliant. What a great team! What a load of great players! They dominate all the you know all the stats going. But we'd kind of like had this sense during the first half of even when they scored their goal, it was like, okay, we're, we're doing quite well here. There's clearly some kind of very tactical plan that's been set out and the players seem to be delivering it. So we had hope still at, at half time despite trailing. And then second half, they, you know, they squandered a couple of really gr- great chances. Shout out to Erling Haaland for skying it from three <laughs> yards. Um, and it kind of just keep building. And referencing Greg again I know he he said post-match it's like I knew it was coming and I think lots of us knew it was coming and then there was just that brilliant move and we could all kind of see the pass that needed to be made and we could see Chris Wood unmarked and it was all just executed perfectly and it was just it was one of those moments that was a huge release because it had been building I can't remember what minute Chris Wood scored but it was pretty close to the end wasn't it um Mm. And it had just been building and building and building and building. And we had this sense that something was coming. And then he scored. And then all, yeah, all hell just breaks loose. And it was an absolute sea of limbs, as people would describe it. Um, and, yeah, one of those really blurry photos that I very occasionally um, put out. Um, but just kind of, yeah, encapsulated the, the mood in that moment perfectly. I think this is my favourite one. There's two things I like about this one. I don't know if this is 
the liberal stuff you notice but there's like the the generational aspect of it so at the left hand yeah. side you've got the young lads all cheering and then in front of them you've got the old boy who looks about 80 cheering <laughs> just as much celebrating uh, yeah. in his own way and also the city ground is actually in some ways a bit ramshackle and you can oh, see yeah. that with the peter taylor stand and obviously we're playing man city it's nothing like the etsy had and it's nothing like i mean i do love the emirates stadium and i'd love to go to the spurs stadium but you don't get many grounds like the city ground and this photo kind of encapsulate what's the city grounds about as well do you think yeah yeah definitely no i hear you um so obviously we had to move seats um last summer because of the move of the seg line for the away fans which at the time i was devastated because i got that beautiful seat just behind the the goal in lower bridgeford um, and we moved into z block so you know i need to say a big thank you to all of the new people that i was sat around or stood around that you can see in this photo because they featured quite heavily this season um, and they're all really great lads and guys and and girls and so yeah it was um, a huge thanks to them for putting up with my camera and actually i think in the end we we very quickly realized that Z Block was better. It was a better view. Um, we loved being in the corner. We had a really great group of people around us that got involved with the, the atmosphere and kind of felt like we, we found a really, you know, a good outcome from what originally felt like something that was going to ruin our uh, match day experience. And it, you're right as well. It's just a great little corner of the ground, the old Peter Taylor stand side. And the other really good thing as well was what we kind of, got going in Z block then connected really well to a block as well so for years it felt like lower bridgeford and a block were very disconnected whereas now it's kind of joined as one um and the atmosphere got going even better um i wasn't always a huge fan of that big giant screen because it did cause a bit of lighting issues for some of my photos <laughs> yeah. um, but, but at the same time it did uh yeah help out at times in the, in the depths of winter as well um, but yeah, I, I do like that photo and how blurry it is. So we go from one Manchester club to the other. This is Man United at home. Is this the league game where we lost 2-0 or is it the cup game? Uh, this is the league game, I think, um, if I've got things right. Um, yeah, because so, the, the cup game was night, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So I thought we were pretty poor and really well beaten in that game. Um, yeah. What, 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 why did you pick this photo out? Uh, so it's another of my film shots, so that's partly why. Um, but again, it kind of plays back to what we were just saying about that you, you don't get this. Well, Old Trafford is a bit ramshackled in parts, but still, yeah. it doesn't look like this. This looks like a proper football ground. Mm. You've got the, the bit of the um, the floodlights there, the side of the ground, the old wall. And I just like really like, I got, because it's a film shot, you've got one chance that it comes out good. It's not like you've hit press the button and you've got 15 you know digital shots to pick through and find the right one and th this one just i've always loved it um since i first saw it um it, the, the guy's just like right you can tell what he's doing he's singing Mel of kintyre as is everyone around him he's right into the game and it's just that fever before every every game at the city ground that kind of builds and, and what Mel of kintyre does really gets the crowd going um it felt like a big Day, this one we've done the display for the 50th anniversary of the club logo which had been great um and you're right i think we were well beaten on the day and it felt like man united were beating us very well every other week around this time of the year yeah. um but yeah just the, I, I just a photo that i really love 
Um, yeah, one of probably one of my top favourites of the season because I think it just encapsulates what football is all about really nicely. So the next one does that as well. It certainly encapsulates a moment. It's um, Villa away, a good ground, a nice one to go to. Um, I think we can all guess when this photo was taken. Uh, pretty, <laughs> the moment in the game. This is after Villa have scored, is it? Yeah, no, this is full time. Uh, okay. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd actually been stood right up at the back of the stand, and it had been an a, 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 yeah pretty awful day for me to get photos. Not that that's why I'm going to games, but it does kind of play in my mind of like oh, I'm not really getting anything very good here, and because we were kind of in the end very soundly beaten. Um, or comfortably beaten. Um, I hadn't really got anything that great. And because I was right at the back, I'd kind of started to shuffle down to the front as full-time um, approached. And then, yeah, the whistle went. And I actually got a couple of different um, shots of different people along this um, railing line. And it just encapsulated, I think, that we were all a bit deflated. For me, I think this was the only moment in the season where I thought, we're going to go down here. Because it just felt like we couldn't get anything going. We'd had some good performances that hadn't got results. Our away form was dreadful. We'd had, you know, good chances with teams. We played teams around us at home, that Everton, Wolves, that we ended up drawing. We'd not got the wins. It just felt like we were letting too many opportunities slip by. And it just felt at the end of this game, and I guess this photo and this person, whoever it is, kind of summed it all up of we're all a bit just like this is this is probably too much for us now and we, we couldn't really see how we were going to turn it around um and yeah I think you know linking from the the previous kind of two photos the Man City one the great exuberant scenes of having just scored a goal and the Man United one of you know similar type scenes before a game where we're all excited this is the real low of going to football of oh yeah, another defeat. This is bad. We're getting a bit worried about getting relegated here. I think I saw that game a bit differently to other people. I have, I might be wrong now. I think it was the first game we we had for quite a while where we had an away plan that was looked tactically sound, and it was Shelby's monumental cock up that yeah. killed it. And I thought we were right in that game, and I don't think Villa offered a lot. So I yeah. kind of came away from that one being a bit more hopeful. My low moment like I said on the podcast the other week, was Leeds away, where we were absolute garbage for the last 70 minutes. And that's when I thought we were going down. But yeah, there was certainly plenty of moments where it looked grim, wasn't it? Yeah, I know what you mean. I think Leeds was almost more like fully fully accepting fate was probably <laughs> yeah, what was going to be happening. With, with this one, I know what you mean. It did feel like we had a good plan, but I think we had had other games where it felt like we'd had a good plan, but it just it wasn't quite working. Mm. And I think for this, for me, for this one, it, it was like, how many times are we going to kind of go into games where it feels like we have a plan where we have a good 60 minutes, but it doesn't quite work because we're running out of games now. It's got to click and it's got to start working. And yeah, I think for me, it was just a, a, a worried feeling that it wasn't going to start clicking for us. That kind of cascading doom made it all the sweeter in the end, though, didn't it? I guess, like, I mean, Brentford away it was probably yeah. the last chapter where you thought they had it on the plate and, you know, they really shot themselves in the foot there by hook or by crook. So to actually stay up, again, it probably did, it probably heightened the celebrations in a way. 
Yeah, I mean, Brentford's another good one. That was a a real low moment. But weirdly, I think we, because we'd had a couple of good results around that Brentford game, and I had a bit more of hope, and I was on a bit more of a high. And again, it was a really good performance, and it felt afterwards it felt awful, like leaving the ground. And their fans are really weird. Um, <laughs> and I remember leaving, I was just like, oh, like real, real dejected, um, dejected about it. And it took me a day to kind of get over it. But then I was like, okay, right, right, we'll go again. We've still got, you know, good games ahead of us now to, to try and get something from. And the home form was so good. It still kept you having hope. Mm. Um but yeah, it was a real up and down season. And I, I think the book kind of captures that of you have this moment of like Liverpool at home, great result. You know, we've beaten a really massive, well-established um, Premier League club. He yeah, has great, great players and we beat them. And you're thinking, brilliant. OK, right, this is the start. And then you go to Arsenal and you get beat 5-0. <laughs> and it was just constantly like this up and down. Um, nature of the season and actually our probably our best run was most importantly towards the end of the season where we were actually you know getting the odd point away from home consistently winning at home um and i guess you know the optimist which i very much am is you look how poor our away form was this season we've only got to improve that by a few points and we're comfortably mm. mid-table um, based on a replication of the home form, which you know probably won't get quite as good as those levels, but I, I think we'd get very similar um, in terms of output in the stands and on the pitch. So, you know, hope for next season. Uh, I jumped to the timeline slightly there because I did um, miss out one of the other pivotal. You mentioned the home games, obviously. Um, Southampton at home. That was the most tense game of the season yeah. for me, even more so than the Arsenal game. T- tell us about this photo. Yeah, um, so th- this one someone describes me as a Renaissance picture, which um, I'll take as a very, very kind compliment. But it, it's just it, the, the bodies everywhere and the thing, you know, people are looking in different directions and hugging people. And it, it was a hell of a night. I mean, up there with that Sheffield United playoff game in terms of being tense and the twists and turns as the game unfolded and you know even right to the end we're going from thinking we're five two up and then what was it ten minutes of injury time and all of a sudden yeah. it's four three and you're like oh god there's still eight minutes of injury time and so yeah I just I just love this one for it managed to capture what a celebration is like and how it unfolds differently for people and as I say, yeah, you, you hug random people next to you or you're turning around. I just love the guy that's right at the back that's like climbing up the wall, <laughs> gazing to the light. Um, and yeah, just just a great celebration um, and a, 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 you know, a really important win for us on the night. I think that was a moment where we thought we, we really can do this now. It's in our hands we got to the stage of the season where you're starting to look at the other teams and think, God, they really are awful. I mean, Leeds, looking, you know, we talked about um, that Leeds game and I remember the the lovely songs that they sing about us and walking back to our cars afterwards and they're all saying, you know, laughing and saying, oh, you're going down. I mean, he laughs last and all that. Um, but they look shocking by this point of the season. So you're starting to think, well, Leeds are going to go and then Everton and 
Leicester looked pretty shocking and actually we were we were in decent form. So I think this night was really important. We we had to win it. Heaped pressure on the others. We did win. We got that huge relief. Um and it allowed us to really believe that yeah, we we can stay up here. Yeah, I don't think I appreciated how crap Leeds, Leicester, Everton were until we until we'd stayed up. And then you, I think I view the games through a different lens because I went into all those games like Leicester versus Liverpool at home thinking, oh, Leicester could win this because yeah. Liverpool aren't as good away. But then when you watch the games and you realise, actually, we're significantly better than them when we found a formula, which we had by then. But yeah, I, I, I keep on looking back and I remember like going to games, we'd have this conversation and I was adamant, the same as you, that we weren't that bad. Yeah, we were finding it tough because it was first you know season back in the Premier League and integration of all the players and yeah maybe a we bit had all of, the injuries as well yeah a lot of injuries maybe a bit of naive, naivety around some games as well but I I thought we were pretty good on the whole you know, you look at the the game the, the thirty eight games how many were we dreadful in well not that many even the ones that you, where we were getting handsomely beaten at the start of the season. It, we, we just we hadn't quite got it right at that point, and we were playing Man City and we were playing Arsenal, who you know came first and second, and they're pretty spectacularly good teams. I don't think we were that bad, and I think what Leicester fans and Leeds fans, and Southampton fans would say was over the course of the season they were dreadful, mm. pretty much throughout. So I, I think it was the right result in the end, obviously, because we we're all Forest fans, so we wanted to stay up. But I do think it was. The right result that we did stay up. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I actually think Leicester were better than Everton, um, and really should have stayed up, but they just they blew it. But that's a conversation for a different football team and a different day. Um, last photo is um, the ultimate celebration. Then Arsenal at yeah. home. I, I love this one. The, the fella yeah. in front, especially, who quite obviously looks like he's crying. Um, yeah. Talk to us about this one. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I hope people don't mind me sharing this one. <laughs> but I think it, just, <laughs> it sums it up. Now, there was another one. Um, I, I did post this one at the time, and, and there was another one that I posted with a guy who, who stands next to me who was in a similar state. Um, and I think we all were. And, um, yeah, someone, uh, Shane, in fact, um, who gets mentioned on the, the podcast quite regularly, um, he commented to say, look at the emotion in people's eyes. Mm. And it is in, like, incredible that, you don't think about this happening in the stand and you might see it at the time. And I guess what I hope my photos are doing are helping people to relive all of these memories because these kind of things pass you by in, in the moment and you don't realise quite what state we were all in. And I know I was exactly the same as the two guys with the very red eyes. And it just captures as well this, this photo. You've got the guy who's clearly like exuberant um, and we've just stayed up. This is amazing. And then at the other end of it, you've got the kind of like just the relief that's being shown as well. Um, and just, yeah, another of the the really like favourite photos of, of the season because it's such a happy moment as well. I think that's the key. This book definitely wouldn't have happened if we'd gone down because you don't have these wonderful, happy moments to, to replay. Um, but it was just a brilliant day as well. And I reference it in the book that... It kind of it all it all came together in that moment, and I think it had to. Like if we'd gone to Palace, it, it wouldn't have been the same if we had stayed up. Yeah, there would have been huge relief. That game would have been horrendous. The tension mm -hmm. and the, 
the, the kind of gut-wrenching feeling we'd all been going through. But I feel like it had to finish at home because of everything that had happened over the course of the season and the way that we had approached home games. Um, certainly, I mean, more so the fans, I think. I know the, the players go out there and they, they give it their all home and away. And yeah, they were brilliant at home. But I think the home fans were incredible over the course of the season. I know it's been talked about loads and people have referenced the atmosphere and how incredible it is. And um, I, I do honestly believe that, that there's something in that. And I, I hate the, the concept of 12 man. I think it's one of the worst things in football. It would be on my you know, bin list. But um, I think that the collective spirit and approach of the fans kept us up because we really dug in when we had to dig in. There wasn't a home game, maybe aside from Bournemouth, because we'd all gone into it thinking, oh, we're going to beat Bournemouth because it's only Bournemouth. Um, and there was a bit of angst at the end of that one. But aside from that, the spirit remained real kind of focused and steadfast and supportive. And I just think there's something to be said for positivity. And I know Steve Cooper referenced it I think after the Arsenal game, in his interview with, with Colin Frey, um, talking about, you know, in a world where everything's a bit, can very easily be negative, there's something to be said for positivity. Mm. And I, I agree with him. He's, he's usually right, isn't he? Um, I, I just think he, he's right. We we pulled together a real positive spirit, and that's what helped us get over the line, um, or certainly played a, a big role in us getting over the line and, and staying up and... Yeah, the, the Arsenal game was brilliant. I think it, I knew we were going to win that day. Um, and I knew that Everton were, were going to have put us in a position by not beating Wolves that if we did win, we were going to stay up because it was just all written to be that way. It had, had to be a you know, great win at home and allow us to all celebrate together and dance around on the pitch and, and everything else. And it was kind of like Wembley again and maybe a bit better um still um so, you know slightly different but a very similar kind of, of feeling and just a, a brilliant way to end the season in terms of um staying up do you worry that positivity erodes over time as expectation and assumption grows that there'll be a lot more Bournemouth games you know we might be playing obviously Luton Sheffield United Burnley Palace, Brentford, you know, we just think, oh, well, we should beat these teams now. And that translates into the stands. Is that a worry for you? Yeah, I'm in the Greg Mitchell um, positivity spirit of will we qualify for Europe next season? So (laughs) the positivity will um, will maintain. Um, Yeah, I I think so. Like expectation changes, right? Um, Mm. the, The season that's just finished, how far has our expectation jumped from the season even the season previous when we were getting promoted, all mm. of a sudden we've got, you know, Man United, Newcastle, etc. coming to town. You, you kind of take away the real elite clubs, but a Man United and a Newcastle are coming to the city ground and we're like, well, we should win this because it's in mm. the city ground. Mm. Whereas, you know, three or four seasons ago, we've got no, no disrespect to Preston coming to the city ground and we're like, probably going to get beat, aren't we? So I think now we've stayed up, the expectation moves on another level again. And yeah, Luton, Sheffield United come to the city ground next season. And we just think, well, this is a home banker because we're we're a more established Premier League club than them now. And even I think we'll start to 
have ideas of grandeur that our our level is now Brentford is now Crystal Palace is now certainly like an Everton or Wolves and so when those clubs are coming to the city ground we'll be thinking well this should we, we should win this because these are now clubs that are our level so yeah expectation will rise and it could become more difficult um, and I do think we've had a perfect blending of Steve Cooper factor players the performances on the pitch have married with a, a kind of a, a timing of our home support um, kind of really like kicking on and being very positive in spirit, as I've just mentioned. And those things, two, two things have blended together really nicely. And that will maybe fizzle out at some point. It may be more difficult to maintain it. Um, I'd like to hope that, you know, we would certainly go into the start of next season all buzzing still and thinking, um, you know, let, let's keep this going. I, 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 you know, I give a shout out to Greg and to Matt and to everyone that's involved involved in Forza, because I think what they've done brilliantly is they've created a, a fans group that isn't about Crystal Palace, Leicester, etc. Have a group of a hundred ultras mm. that all wear, you know, matching black t-shirts and bang a drum and sing sing in a corner together, and that's great, right? And I'm I'm fully supportive of all clubs and all organisations and all people that try and do something about atmospheres and grounds but I think what they do with those those smaller groups is they create almost like a little clique of we are the people that are going to sing and bang the drum whereas what fours have done is kind of garnered this spirit of we are all a group this is this whole stadium is you know united and together and that means that we get four stands singing not just a hundred guys and girls in in one stand um so I think you know they've played a really important part in creating what we've got at the city ground and I know that that will continue and more and more people want to get involved with helping with displays and uh, more and more people want to stand up and sing and so let's just you know keep it going and be as positive as, as we can. Yeah I do I just worry that atmosphere is going to erode over time because I just think it's inevitable but then you know players shouldn't need that atmosphere to win games anyway so they should still be able to deliver. But I think you just made it a bit more special. Just the, yeah, How often did you hear commentators, obviously you were at the games more than me, but you'd hear commentators just be quiet and just listen, say, listen to the noise, which yeah. you don't get at other grounds because yeah. it's got that soul, I think, as well. And obviously the fans were so brilliant. So, yeah, I think that's probably what made this season special as well. I think the fans put Forest back on the map to a yeah. greater degree than Fulham and um, Bournemouth. Yeah. They're not noisy clubs anyway, are they? It's pretty. It, I, I like a Fulham away day, but it's not a yeah, not a football day in a way, is it? Yeah, I think you're right, and I think um, I think that pundits will reference the noise at the City Ground as clubs that get promoted need to replicate what the, the Forest fans did at the City Ground. Mm. I think you know, hats off to all of us for the atmosphere that we created because. As I said, I genuinely think it had an impact and helped to stay up. And I do think it will become a thing now where, you know, when you're doing the season previews, it'll be, well, if Sheffield United can generate the kind of atmosphere at Bramwell Lane that the Forest is at the city ground, they might have a chance. Mm. So, it, yeah, it is, it is really important. And I do agree with, with what you say about, you know, it constantly being referenced. And um, I think, yeah, it will be a thing. Yeah, I think so. I think it actually gives Luton more of a chance than Sheffield United. 
because when did you last go to Kenilworth Road? Uh, the promotion, the, so promotion. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. It's a good atmosphere, though, isn't it? They're, you know, they're quite hostile yeah. in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For you know, small grounds can often be the noisier ones. Yeah, um, and yeah, I think they'll they'll enjoy next season. Um, I think they'll get relegated, but yeah, they'll, they'll have a go. I think they'll have a go. <laughs> Right, uh, I think we'll leave it there. We've gone through all the photos, uh, great stuff, of course. Just remind us how people can get hold of a copy, Simon. Uh, yep, so if you head to the Forza Garibaldi website um, and uh, there's a little shop tab at the top of the screen, click on that and then you'll, you'll find the book there or head to Forza Garibaldi or Our Glorious Banners on social media and you'll very quickly and easily find the link. You can just click on that and it'll take you straight through to, to buy the book. Um, 1865 is the price, includes posters and packaging. Uh, they're being printed early July and will then be with people hopefully by the middle of July. Yeah, great. I should have plugged the, uh, our podcast Twitter account ages ago for people who've listened to this. It's Garibaldi Red underscore, so you probably have to just flick through the photos. Of. I'll have timestamps them as well by the time you listen to this as well. Uh, right. Uh, thanks to everyone who listened along, watched along, very much appreciated. Hopefully see some of you at the live shows, which are this week. Uh, so do come along. Say hello if you're there. It'd be great to see as many people as possible. Uh, Simon, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Matt. Good luck with the book. And uh, have a good few days, everyone. And we shall see you soon. <laughs>